Welcome to the Factory Youth Podcast. This is a weekly teaching podcast from the Factory Youth at Calvary Chapel, Vera Beach. Tonight, the, the title of our message is Entering His Presence. And as you guys have been talking about coming boldly to other people to boldly share about Jesus to them, I really believe the key to boldly telling others about Jesus is first and foremost to come boldly to Jesus, okay? Can I look to your neighbor and say, we got to come to Jesus. And tonight we are going to look at what that means. Because what, what does that even mean? Like, that's so cliche, right? Like, we got to come to Jesus. Well, tonight I want to give you a roadmap of what it looks like to come to Jesus in Psalm 100. If you're there, say, I'm there. All right, Psalm 100, verse 1. It is an entire five verses. We're going to read the entire chapter. Are you ready for it? Okay, I'm reading from the ESV. It says, make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Can someone in here make a joyful noise? Yes. Make a joyful noise. Verse 2, serve the Lord with gladness. Everyone smile. Look to the person next to you. Just smile at them. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. We just did that, right? Verse 3. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Here's our key verse. Verse 4. If you have a Bible or you're on the Holy Bible app, highlight this verse. It says, enter his gates with thanksgiving. Everyone say thanksgiving. And it's courts of praise. Everyone say praise. Praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever. And his faithfulness to all generations. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you and we do believe God. We believe that even in the midst of difficulty and trials and a mix of emotions, Lord, that you are still with us and that you are still working. God, we praise you because you truly are worthy, Lord. And God, we just give you thanks. We give you thanks that you are faithful to us even when we are faithless to you. Jesus, we thank you that you're always running after the one that is lost and that you are building up and comforting those that are found. And Jesus, we just take a moment to pause and we welcome you here. We acknowledge that when two or more are gathered in your name, that you're present among us. We acknowledge that you inhabit the praises of your people. We acknowledge that you are here among us. And God, we ask that you would give us faith, Lord, to believe that. And to lean in, to trust in, to respond to whatever that you're speaking to us. Lord, would you, by your spirit, make your word come alive to us tonight. And in Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. So I know I look really young, right? It's because I am. Okay, I'm really young, but believe it or not, I'm about to celebrate six years of marriage in July. I got married a, a month before I turned 20, exactly a month. And I married a cougar. Do you know what that means? If you don't know what that means, ask your leader. But she's four and a half years older than me. And uh, so we basically had a honeymoon baby. We had our first born. And then 18 months later, we had our second baby. And like back in August, we had our third baby. Is that crazy? So we've got three kids. Life's been crazy. But you know what? In five years, I've learned 
that there are certain things that I can do that really annoy my wife. Like really annoy her. In fact, I was asking her this question. At the time, she didn't really give me anything. She was like, well, uh, you like... I'm like, honey, what's, my, what's the pet peeves that I do? She's like, well, like, you, like, come home with pins in your pocket. I'm like a pin thief, okay? Be careful. Pete, I hope you're not nervous about that. I'm a crypto. What was that word? A, a maniac. I, 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 uh, I, I steal pins. But inside joke. Sorry about that. We, I, steal, I steal pins, and I, I put them in my pocket. I, like, use them during the day. And then I come home, and I just leave them around. And I'm like, I've got little toddlers. So what do they do with the pins? They draw all over our walls. So that's one pet peeve. Another pet peeve is apparently I use one too many sponges. Like anyone, is anyone's chore doing dishes in here? Oh, God bless you guys. Listen, if you're not doing dishes, just help your parents out. Do the dishes one night, okay? It will bless them, okay? But I still do the dishes. And um, if a a sponge is kind of nasty, then I'll go and get a new sponge. But I'm so disgusted by the old sponge that I'll just leave it there. It drives my wife crazy. It drives her crazy. So there's certain pet peeves that I do that what happens? It actually retracts the presence of my wife. Like she doesn't want to be around me. There's sometimes where I just talk and I talk and I talk. And she's just like so tired of listening to me talk. So what she'll do? She'll tune out and she'll just start walking into another room. There's certain things that I do that retract the presence of my wife. But there's also certain things that I do that attract the presence of my wife my wife like if I actually like get myself ready and put on a little bit of cologne or I take her out on a date like surprise surprise it attracts her presence she wants to be around me if I affirm her who would have thought like if I'm like honey you're just you're so amazing I love the way you're raising our kids you're so beautiful you the house looks great she wants to be around me more like isn't that wild So there's certain things I can do that retract my wife's presence. There's certain things that I do that attract my wife's presence. And God is actually, he's the same. Like we always talk about Christianity is not a religion, it's a a relationship, right? Like we always say that saying, but a relationship is two-way. And there's certain things that we do that can retract the presence of the Lord, but there's also certain things that we do that attract the presence of the Lord. And I want to give you a guideline for that today. Okay, three ways to come boldly into the presence of Jesus or three ways to attract God's presence. Are you ready for them? Really, really simple. Number one, Thanksgiving. Everyone say Thanksgiving. Look with me at verse 4 again. It says to enter his gates with thanksgiving, okay? Prayer, really all of this is wrapped up in prayer. I got to say that real quick too. Prayer is communication with God. So if I want to like, if I want to build my relationship with my wife, I have to communicate with her, right? And I have to let her communicate to me. Like if I do all the talking and don't let her talk, our relationship isn't going to be that good, right? Well, with God, we communicate with God. It's just talking to Jesus. It's called prayer. And one of the first steps in prayer that actually attracts the presence of God is thanksgiving, okay? It says to enter into his gates with thanksgiving. And thanksgiving, if we can define it, it, I would define it like this. Thanksgiving is agreeing and acknowledging what God has done. Really, really simple. Thanksgiving is agreeing and acknowledging what God has done. Like, what do we do every time you eat? What do you usually do? You give 
thanks to God, right? Like you might say, like, why do we do that every single week, okay? Like, or every single time I eat a meal. Like, why do we have to pause and give God thanks? Well, it's, it's really giving God thanks. It's agreeing and acknowledging that the food in front of you that you just purchased, that that food actually came from God. That like maybe you had to buy that food, but the job that you had to earn the money to buy the food, God gave you that job. Or maybe you, you, your, your mom or your dad, they cooked the food. That the food itself, God is the one that designed the food. And that the, the gifting in which my wife, she makes incredible tortilla soup. She makes some tortilla soup. God's gifted her with that gift to make that food. Giving God thanks is just stopping and agreeing and acknowledging with what God has done. Okay, that's it. When we stop and we give God thanks for the day, we're stopping and acknowledging that God, you have given me this day. Really simple. Everyone understanding? This is Thanksgiving. So it's agreeing and acknowledging with what God has done. But this is the thing. It is opposite of our natural tendency. It's your natural tendency to say thank you to God. Our natural tendency usually is not to give God thanks, it's to complain. We are so quick, in fact, I would even say that culture right now is teaching us to complain and to critique. Instead of giving thanks for someone else, what do we do? We're constantly critiquing, criticizing other people, and we're constantly complaining that we don't have enough, that we're not pretty enough, that we're not strong enough, that I don't have enough big, a uh, big enough house, that I don't have the newest phone, that I don't have this. We're always complaining of what we don't have rather than giving God thanks for what we do have. That is the natural tendency of our mind, of our heart, of our soul. It's a complaint. And you know what? This has been around forever. In fact, if you consider for a moment the Bible, anyone know what the Bible, you guys study the Bible here every week, right? How many of you guys remember the story of the Israelites when they came across the Red Sea? Do you remember that story? Like Sunday school status, okay? You remember like, like they were in Egypt and then God delivered them across the Red Sea and they came into what was known as the wilderness for a little bit. And you know what they did in the wilderness? All they did was complain. Like God literally just moved the seas. Like I served Fort Pierce today. It was so fun. God did not like just part the sea though. Like imagine that. You like go to the beach and just like. How cool would that be? God literally parted the sea. They walk across dry land. And when the Egyptians are coming to get them, God, boom, the sea fell on the Egyptians. How radical is that? Two days later, three days later, the next week later, all they're doing is complaining about what they didn't have. They didn't have the best food. They didn't have anywhere to go, even though God had just done a miracle. Our natural tendency is to complain. Think of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. Remember, God created Adam and Eve. And you know what he said? He said, you can have everything. Everything that he created, all of it is yours. All the million different trees and plants and fruit, all of that is yours except for one tree. Okay, is God a generous God or a stingy God? A generous God. He said, you can have all of this, not that one. And what do they do? 
they go for that one. They complain about what they do not have rather than giving God thanks for what he has provided for them. Our natural tendency is to complain about what isn't or what God hasn't provided. Or sometimes rather than giving God thanks, we try to take the credit for what God has done. That's also in the story of the Bible, in the story of the Tower of Babel. God was doing this incredible work and he's telling them to go all throughout the world and set up cities. And they're like, look at us. Let's build a big tower so everyone can see how great we are. And rather than giving God thanks, they were so focused on themselves rather than on God. Okay, These are our natural tendencies. It's to complain, it's to critique, and it's to take credit rather than to give God thanks. This is what's so gnarly about someone that has an unthankful heart. Romans chapter 1, verse 21 uh, Pastor Paul, he's writing to, to this church in, in, in Rome, and he's talking about the unrighteous person, the unholy person, the person without God. And this is his description of that person. In Romans 1.21, it says, For although they knew God, how many of you knew God, know God? For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. And they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Then it goes on to talk about all these different sin and all this different rebellion and all this different unrighteousness. It all stemmed from what? Their failure to give God thanks. Romans 1 is the groundwork for understanding the depravity of humanity. Romans 1 is a description of the unrighteous person. Those that are deserving of God's wrath. Paul is saying that the invisible attributes of God were made known to humanity through creation and in their own hearts. However, rather than giving God honor and thanks, they suppress the truth about God. They focus on themselves and they do not honor him or give thanks to him. So what Romans 1 says is that thanklessness is an on-ramp to an impure heart. Ingratitude is a fast track to foolishness. Failure to give thanks is the gateway to ungodliness. Take a moment to do personal inventory in your own heart. And ask yourself, am I a grateful person? Failure to give God thanks is a gateway to life without God. The opposite, however, is true of the godly. The godly will, according to Psalm 116, says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Hold on, hold on. You might say, like, what, what's the deal here? You're saying that I need to give God thanks. I don't really feel that thankful for my life, though. Like, Tyler, you don't know how difficult my life is. Listen, I sympathize with that. My eight, end of my eighth grade year, okay, California kid, grew up competing, surf contests, surfing was everything, okay? My eighth grade going into my freshman year of high school, my dad moves our family to Texas, 
like Friday night lights, the football show, football's everything. Listen, I'm short now. My freshman year, I was like 5'2", okay, 4'10", maybe. Like I was short. I have to start like just starting a new school alone, that's terrifying. But to have the one thing that you love and adore and everything is about ripped apart from you, which was surfing for me, and to be taken away from all your friends and family, it was heartbreaking. I went through this, like, this, this season of depression. Okay, I'm going to tell you something so embarrassing. Listen, hopefully you can laugh at me. It, it's appropriate. It might hurt my soul a little bit. But this was so bad, you guys. The bus picked me up at 5.30 in the morning. School did not start till 7.30. We got to school at 6.45. The teachers weren't even there yet. You couldn't go to your classroom. I knew nobody, so you know what I did? I hid in the bathroom. I did not cry. I hid in the bathroom. <laughs> I hid in the bathroom until I could go to class. It was terrible. It was terrible. It was so lame. I was so lame. It's like cardigans were cool on guys back then. I'm like, I've got like ripped shorts and like a cardigan. Everyone thought I was so weird. It was terrible. And, uh, you know, my, my grandma, my grandma, I was talking to her, and just, I was just complaining, complaining about everything. And my grandma, she goes, honey, you just got to give God thanks. You got you to gotta thank God for what he's done in your life. The Bible says to give God thanks in all circumstances. And I'm like, Gran, Claudette, I don't want to hear that right now. Like, please. But she was right. Like notice our verse there in Psalm 116 says, I will pay to you or I'll offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And the point is, is sometimes it's a sacrifice. Sometimes you don't feel like giving God thanks. And, and you got to acknowledge like life is difficult in that moment. That's okay. At the same time, you can stop and you can remember what God has done in your life. You can give God thanks for that. And you can God, give God thanks in that circumstance that he's with you, that he loves you, that he promises re to redeem all things, to restore all things. You can give God thanks that he's not finished with you yet. There are certain things that we can give God thanks for. So Thanksgiving, this is the first step. You want to draw closer to the Lord. You want to boldly enter into the presence of God. Give God thanks. Literally in prayer, just say, thank you, God, for this. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Learn to give, to, to have a habit of giving God thanks. Okay, are you with me? Brings us to number two. So as you enter in and you're giving God thanks, the next appropriate step, it tells us here in Psalm 104, it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Yes. Thanksgiving is agreeing and acknowledging God for what he's done. Praise is agreeing and acknowledging who God is. So there's a progression of our attention and our focus from what he has done to who he is. In fact, we see the same progression in heaven. In Revelation chapter 4, a little picture of heaven, we read this. 
It says, whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who is seated on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who's seated on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. They cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they existed and were created. Praise gets our attention onto him. Praise reorders our attention. And this is important because we are taught, the problem is, is that our attention is so often on ourselves. Like it's okay to admit it, we're incredibly selfish people. And the culture promotes just self-centeredness. Like you got, it's from every aspect, from social media, it's all about self-promotion, promoting yourself, do whatever, run over as many people as you need to to get where you want to be. It doesn't matter about them, do you. All the way to self-checkouts, to the selfies on our phones, to self-serve ice cream, everything is centered around self. And self destroys us on the inside. To live for yourself isn't really to live at all. To live for yourself becomes like, it's just a hamster wheel. Does that make sense? It's a hamster wheel. It's nothing is ever enough. To live for yourself is always to live for the next thing that gives you pleasure, to give for the next thing that gives you attention. It's just, it is a hamster wheel, and everything around us says to live for ourselves. But praise is reordering our attention to get our attention on to God. Rather than being me centered, it's to be God centered. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 also says, through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. To praise him is literally to start saying, God, you're the king of kings. You're the Lord of lords. You're worthy. You're holy. You deserve everything, God. You are good. It's literally to list out the attributes, the qualities of God. It's just to praise him. And the reality is, is again, there's sometimes where we do not feel like praising him. There's sometimes when life is so difficult, the last thing it's like you want to, like Job said, it's like Job's wife said, curse God and die. Like you're so frustrated with life. The last thing you're thinking is, should I really be praising God? Where even is he in this moment? But as we praise him, it draws our attention off of ourselves, over our problems, onto him. And it re-persuades us that he is worthy, that he is true, that he is the God who redeems. Sometimes it's a sacrifice as well. It's a sacrifice of our praise to God. But it begins to change our heart when we do it. Again, to praise is contradictory to our natural state, but it's one of the things that attracts God's presence. So our verse says, to enter his gates through thanksgiving. His courts with? Half of you are with me. Are you with me still? To enter his gates with thanksgiving. Hold on. Enter his gates through thanksgiving. Enter his courts through Praise, okay? Verse 4, let's continue to read. It says, give thanks to him. And then it says, bless his name. 
the third posture or attitude of our heart that attracts the presence of God is surrender. Now this word here in verse 4 that says bless his name, in the Hebrew it is Barak, like Barack Obama, literally Barak. Okay, you'll never forget it now, Barak. And it means to bow or to kneel. So to bless his name is actually to bow or to kneel. It's to surrender before him, okay? So if thanksgiving is agreeing and acknowledging who God is, or thanksgiving is, in pray, thanksgiving is agreeing and acknowledging what God has done, praise is agreeing and acknowledging who God is, then surrender is to abdicate our will to God's will. Now abdicate's a big word. What's that mean? To abdicate means to dethrone. So if there's a king, like the king of England, he abdicates the throne, it means he's stepping down from the throne. And the reality is, is we generally, we like to say, Jesus, you're the king of my heart. But the reality is so often we are the king of our heart. So to surrender is to abdicate, it's to surrender our will, our desires, our plans to God so that God can be seated on the throne of our hearts. Are you following you could also say this, surrender is agreeing and acknowledging who we are in light of who God is. Surrender is agreeing and acknowledging who we are in light of who God is. Are you ready? If God is our father, we are his children. If God is master, we are his servant. If God is our shepherd, we are his sheep. If God is our helper, we are helpless. If he is love, then we are loved. If he is creator, then we are created. If he is rescuer, then we are the rescued. If he is savior, then we are saved. If he is our redeemer, then we are the redeemed. If he is our refuge, then we have a home. If he is our fortress, then we are secure. If he is the defender, then we are the defended. And if he is king, then the only proper response it's to surrender. It's to bow before him. You know this verse probably. Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If you truly want to make an impact to tell all your friends, If you want to tell people boldly about Jesus, if you want to do that publicly, then you have to first learn to come to Jesus privately and to surrender before him, to recognize who you are in light of who he is. Surrender is to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, when Jesus said, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So in closing tonight, do you want to draw closer to God? Are you persuaded that God really is the source of life that you're looking for? Are you persuaded that there's more to God? Did you know that? There's more to God. You will never find out the grandness of who God is 
until you step from this world into the next with him. There is always more to discover about God and enlighten to discover who you are. But the key is you have to attract his presence. You've got to have a relationship with him. And the Bible actually gives us this certain framework. Give God thanks. Praise his name and surrender and bow. 